a.m. early. We're both early. Oh, do you need a few? Hi, look at you. That's do you need a few minutes? We're super organized, mummy. No, <laughs> never. everybody and welcome back to another episode of Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me Alice Sheridan and today I have a guest. I have Marissa Huber from At Carve Out Time for Art. I am so excited about this conversation. Hi Marissa, it's so nice to have you here. Hi, it was wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Can you tell the kind of, I've got the kind of girly fan giggle because uh, seriously well, uh, I do too I don't know what you're talking about everybody who fangirls over me and you can see I'm in my uh plaid sweatshirt type thing I, I do the same thing to everybody else so everybody just loves each other it's not yeah. a, it's that's the thing though isn't it? <laughs> about uh what you look like or it's no. the fact that I've seen you in the car park I've seen you at work I've seen you mucking around with your co-workers I've seen your art develop over the years yes I saw you when it was just you and Henry I've seen you be oh. pregnant it's amazing it's just that so bizarre so how we can have these kind of relationships over time with people and yet never meet them Yes, not yet. Not yet. No, but I, I think that's true because I think for a long time it was very much, um, well, I know when I was in 2015, when I started getting really in, uh, into Instagram and such and meeting people and finding community, I needed that outlet. I had just moved from Philadelphia where I had, you know, a really big network of friends and, you know, young moms and artists and, and kind of everything blended. So when my husband and I moved to South Florida, where I'm from, all of a sudden we had this big gap to fill. Yeah. And I was so grateful to meet the community online. And it was like, oh, are, are they your real friends? Because they're online, yeah. but they are. Like these yeah. are people who know more about my everyday things sometimes than, you know, my best friend from high school, which is yeah. so funny. And they we know might, a unique part. We might talk a little bit about that later, whether we're any good sure. at setting boundaries or doing things <laughs> like that. <laughs> But um, for, for people who don't know you that, so usually it's Louise here with me and she very definitely said for me, um, she said, this is, this is one for you. I said, I want Marissa to come on because I've been following you and your account, which is at Carve Out Time for Art. I thought it had been going for a lot longer, but while I was reading the intro in your book. So tell us a little bit about how that started for people who haven't come across it yet. And if you haven't, then you, you need to go. It's a great account. It's, it's a real collaborative community account. And, you know, what a name at Carve Out Time for Art. That was a really good one to grab, wasn't it? Thank you. I, okay. So in 2015, I was just kind of frustrated. I think that I was wanting to make more art. And then I had people who would tell me, you know, Oh, how are you finding the time? You have a kid, blah, blah, blah. Just all the stuff that people yeah. tell you. And I thought that's not true. I've seen people making things work. And if, to me, if you can have eight hours to watch TV per week, you could fit in two hours or four hours to make your art. So I knew that that wasn't the case, but I needed to find those people. Yep. So I started interviewing. I was like, well, let me just interview 10 women. I think that would be really interesting to interview 10 artist mothers and just see what their perspective is. So I set out to do that. And I didn't even know how that would develop, but it was like immediate 
responses were, you know, positive. I got so lit up doing it mm. that I just couldn't stop. I went from 10 and then I just kept adding someone and adding until I think it had been like maybe 30 interviews at one point. And that's when I interviewed my friend, Heather Kirtland, who I had never met in real life. But when she, I, the, the fifth question I always put was, um, do you have a big dream or goal? And I, cause I love to see what people share. It kind of pushes yeah. them yeah. and then like magic happens. So she said, I, I would love to write a book on this topic. Do you want to collaborate? The question, question mark. And I, when I received that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's something that I have been thinking about, but I didn't tell anybody. So we kind of wrote back. We, you know, hesitantly, we talked on the phone for two minutes and I just knew I'm like, yeah, let's, let's just do this. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So, so we met early on, we started saying, well, we need a place to put all these conversations and um, interviews. So we started a website, carveouttimeforart.com. And we said, let's put it on Instagram. Cause this is where the conversations are happening. And it's a place where we can share the interviews. And then we just started having fun with it. You know, we said, Oh, let's Heather said, let's do a hashtag challenge, you know, to start under meeting people. And we did like introductions and we did a phone date challenge. I um, remember that. I know really like in fun. 2016, I think 2017, yeah. because I, and it all came from, I was bored on my daily commute to work, which is 10 hours a week. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I love podcasts. Like, thank you for creating one but I wanted to have my own conversations. And I thought if I'm feeling that way, I'm sure others are. So I said, well, if anyone wants to have their own conversations and then I can be the person to kind of quote, force you to do it so that you can like let go of the anxiety and people signed up. (laughs) But I remember that. So at the time, so 2016, so Henry was how old then? I guess three. Right. Yeah. So, because I remember looking at that thinking what a great idea oh my gosh now she's got all of this stuff to organize and you had spreadsheets and you had time zones and you had all these people who went I'll do it I'd love to do it me being one of them and you had to match up all these people and tell them how to talk to each other and have that phone date and I do just remember thinking at the time why is this woman giving herself so much extra to do when she's already (laughs) got a young child and a job so your job takes up how much of your week no like uh i mean it's 40 hours a week plus the the commute but it can be 40 hours a week 50 hours it was 70 at that point wow and you were still making (laughs) time for your own art and doing all of these things for other people and i i do remember watching you and thinking what's wrong with her well a little bit like not not what's wrong with her, but is she going to burn out? Is she going to be okay with this? Because you're like, yeah. you have your hands full sometimes. And I yeah. never feel like I'm getting a glossed over version when I watch oh. you. Well, thank you. No, I think, I mean, that's a good thing. And if anything, um, sometimes people have said, why haven't you guys kind of made a membership or all these things? Yeah. That's a big part of it. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't know what will happen and we are trying to figure out what's next for us, you know, or, or let's just enjoy what we've created first let's pause, let's celebrate this book, let's celebrate all these things that are happening. But also, I don't know what will happen next. And I'm okay with that. Because like, part of the the playfulness of not having to, um, like, if it's volunteering, I didn't have, um, I can't talk this morning, Alice, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't as much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, but I think that's an honest answer. Yeah. For whatever reason, like the phone dates, I didn't, I don't know how many people would sign up, but I felt like because they had given me so much and I didn't, I had said, you know, this will be confidential. I'm going to, here's some questions to help you guys so I can figure out how to match you up. Right. I mean, the stuff that people shared with me, I felt like honored. Yeah. I mean, people wrote things and I thought, oh my gosh, like, okay, so now I know I'm going to match this person with this and I'm a connector. And part of it was like realizing how do I put people together and then they can create their own magic and then they can figure out their time zones too. I gave up on the time zones. Yeah. I'm like, you guys figure out what to do from here, but I'm going to give you the prompts, the, you know, the direction, and then you guys can go from there. It's a very, very strongly female community, Mm. isn't it? In that, it's a real sisterhood feeling of women who are probably at a certain stage in life. And Mm -hmm. I'm a bit older. My children are a little bit older. And um, it was rather ironic. We're going to talk about the book in a minute, because at one point you asked me to be in the book. And I was thinking why I never got my act together and sent you information. (laughs) And um, it was because my youngest daughter was in a big school transition stage and, you know, something had to give. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the way it works, isn't it? But then that's okay. you have these times and then you come back together. So let's talk about the main thing. So the book has developed over, so you say you started talking about it in 2015 and mm-hmm. it is called The Motherhood of Art and it has just been published. Yay, brilliant timing. <laughs> yes, as we're all at home with our children for the unforeseeable future. So you sent me a PDF copy to have a look at because obviously I can't get my hands on the physical one at the moment. It's very beautiful and um so the structure of the book, tell me how the structure of the book fits together. I love the bit at the beginning, by the way, the bit where you have the conversation, which is you and Heather in the car, and you've got oh, yeah. this solution to having your bra, your phone tucked into your bra to have conversations when you're driving. <laughs> yeah, and that was, a, that was a real conversation. You can imagine. Okay. So the layout of the book, um, we, we started out doing different versions of it, you know, more chapters and things. And then over time... Um, we did three rounds of the book to kind of figure out what it was. We said, this can just be an interview book Mm. because I hadn't thought that you could really do that before. And over time I started seeing more of these where you can just ask all different types of questions and have people answer because I was more interested in what other people wanted to share, not what I was going to share necessarily. And once that kind of freed us up, we said, okay, Here's about 70 questions, not that we would ask them to everybody, but from three specific areas, kind of about, we want to know about you and your art, because that's really important. We love the motherhood journey, but we want to know about you. Like, I don't want to talk about diapers all the time. If you do, that's fine. But no, anyway, (laughs) and that we think that people listening, they want to hear about the artwork too. Yeah. We want to hear about then you as a parent and how does what is your, how does your parenting look like, especially because you're a creative person and you're an artist who needs this outlet? And then the third area was how do these intersect and kind of influence each other? You know, so it was really fun to throw these answer, the questions out into the world and ask people, answer what resonates. You know, we're here to share. One, actually one person, Katya Roberts is in the book. She sent something back to me and she says, I started answering the first question and this 
it turned into an essay. Yeah. I don't know if what you do with this. And we said, it's beautiful. We don't know either, but we'll figure this out. Just, just keep it as is. And thank you. And then at the end, we wanted to balance it out. So we said, um, our friend, Emily Mann, who were like, we love you, Emily. You are going to be in this book, no matter what we said, you have two days. You need to just send us an essay so that we could have some nice balance in the book. And it worked perfectly. And she knocked it out. It was really lovely. I remember getting the questions through and thinking that that was actually a very nice, uh, loose, fluid way to do it, to give people a lot of prompts. Mm. You know, like you say, 70, there were, you know, a real long set of questions and then people could respond to whichever one stood out for them so although there's some continuity in the book and it is divided kind of by person uh, Mm -hmm. lots of fantastic um, photographs submitted but although there is some continuity everybody has a slightly different take they've chosen different questions to answer them Mm -hmm. there's some long answers there's some short answers and I can imagine sitting down to read it all in one go or it being a perfect book just to dip into and come out of just when you want that sense of inspiration that there are other people doing the same thing that you're trying to do as well. Exactly. And actually, thanks for bringing that point up. Like our vision for the book was we wanted it. I mean, I love books. I've loved them my whole life. And to me, a good book is like a friend, you know, you can just even seeing it on your shelf can make you feel good. So we said, okay, we want a book that you open it up and it's beautiful, but you know, we want to see beautiful pictures, but we also don't want women to open it up and say, oh, my studio doesn't look like that. We wanted to show realness and we wanted the words to really be what they felt, whatever they felt yeah. comfortable sharing, of course. Yeah. But, um, you know, so that you could pick it up when you need a, a lift or you, you can need an escape or inspiration and the size so that you could hold it next to you. Say you have a new baby and you're you know, nursing or something, or you're watching TV. Yeah, I have, I have to say, it's interesting, because looking through it and reading some of them, and I think, you know, there are a lot of people in there who've got younger children. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to say as a warning to you all. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. When they get older, the trouble is they never go to bed. <laughs> My don't either. Not yet, but so, I'm sure it will be worse. So, you know, you know, you have some of those evenings that, that, mm-hmm. that kind of goes, but it's, it just changes all the way along the line. It changes, doesn't it? But I think always that sense of uh, balancing those different responsibilities. So what, what do you think, what were the most common themes that you saw emerging in the book? Because that must also have been a tricky thing to manage, getting almost like the same story over again mm-hmm. without it being repetitive. Yes. And I think that's one thing we wanted to try to avoid, like to, yeah. to share the different stories. Cause that's how, when we were doing the, I think we did about 70 um, interviews on the blog from about 2015 to 2017, that did become repetitive in a way, but I loved yeah. it. Cause I'm like, okay, now we, we understand people can still make art. So in the book, um, the common themes were that things are always changing. Yeah. Like what you said, be flexible, lower your standards, Um, I think a lot of like being gentle with yourself and doing what you want, even if maybe the people around you aren't, don't understand. I think that's really important. That's hard. This whole idea, the concept of self-care when my children were younger, it it never existed. It wasn't a phrase that people used 18 Mm -hmm. years ago. It wasn't a thing. 
No, it, well, it's almost like, what, what is self-care? I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I think, it, I think it is good, I guess, but sometimes I'm thinking like, what, what is my self-care? Cause people say, oh, you know, you worked too hard. And I'm thinking sometimes my self-care is connecting with people on Instagram, you it know, is. yeah, uh, because I'm connecting with people who get me. Yeah. I think it can. I think it's really interesting how it can be the same physical thing can sometimes be self-care and sometimes not. So having a glass of wine, sometimes self-care, sometimes not watching too much telly, sometimes lovely self-care, sometimes not, you know, doing art sometimes can feel fantastic. Sometimes it's just driving yourself to do too much, but it's the same thing. It's almost like you've got to recognize what state you're in in order to know what you need to look after yourself. Don't don't you find? Yeah. There's no, like every single day everyone should do check off all these boxes and you can be a, you know, you can achieve nirvana or whatnot, but it's like, no, maybe it's knowing yourself enough to say, what do I most need today? That's how I kind of check in with myself. I feel like there is still some, like the martyrdom of if you're a parent or a mother, especially, you know, oh, you have to give everything for your kids. Mm -hmm. I think there is still some of that. I don't even know when that developed because when I talked to my mom, who's 72 and her, her girlfriends, they, I don't know if they felt that they're like, we didn't feel like we had to sit on the floor and play Legos with you. No, I don't think women felt obligated to be as closely in connection with their children as they do these Mm. days. Okay. My parents used to turn up and have meetings at school, but they had no idea what I had (laughs) to be doing, what projects had to be done, what work was expected of me. There was no involvement at all in any of that. It was me and my school and, you know, I just got on with it. I don't, I don't know when this having to be so closely kind of wrapped up with each other. That around. adds another layer of this, I don't want to say like a mess, but um, just the dynamic perhaps of yeah. what's happening now that I see, you know, like, oh, I can never take a shower. You know, you hear that. Yeah. I just stuck my kid on the floor when they couldn't, or I'll, I'll take a shower and I'll stick the kid in there. Yeah. <laughs> they can sit on the floor. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm an expert on parenting by any means, but I yeah. think just figure out what works for you. And if you really want to do something, then find a way to do it. That is the whole concept of carve out time for art. Whether I don't care who you are, whether you have a day job, a parent, you're a parent, you're a caregiver. How many people are um, taking care of aging parents in our community? There's a big chunk. And it, but it's the same principle, isn't it? Like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. crossovers between raising children and um, having any kind of creative practice, which is basically, you never really know the answers to it. You never really have a state. It's just this continuum of things that just keep developing, keep changing. You've almost got no choice, but to show up to it somehow. And, you know, that's life. it's easy enough, you know, when it's, when it's small things kind of tugging on your attention, but actually when it's art that is quiet and sits there and waits for you to turn up to it, it can be much easier for it to get pushed into the background, which Mm. must, I mean, that must happen for you a lot, doesn't it? What have you had to give up? Your question earlier on was like, your key question for people was like, what was your big desire and what is your big dream for your art and okay your big dream was to have the book so you've done that now was it Mm -hmm. worth it yeah I think it is I mean if I don't know if anybody can get it yet because of you know shipping now but it is just to feel like 
we're going to help people because yeah. I feel like I've been so helped by these answers. And at the end of the day, we just wanted to put this into people's hands so that if they want, need to create, that they have permission from us. Okay. But okay. So not to avoid your, your question. So what have I had to give up? Probably a lot of my own art making. Um, and the, so what have I wanted to do? Painting. Yeah. Um, I think that there's been times when I think, okay, where's my time that I can carve out, carve out time for art to use that uh, silly hashtag. Uh, I mean, it's not silly. My, my son hates it right now. He's like, I don't want to hear about carve out time for art. <laughs> I get like, that too. Hashtags are so stupid, mom. I'm like, <laughs> I, I know, but you know, it helps spread the word. <laughs> you know, I have limited free time if I want to yeah. call it my free time. And I had to, that was actually a struggle for me at one point when I said, as Carve Out Time for Art grew into something more of a community versus something that was just like for fun, a side project. Um, I, I felt like, am, am I an organizer or am I an artist? Like, what mm. am I doing with my time? And it felt like they were two different things. Um, and then my, And then I was like, am I a fraud if I'm not creating the art and I'm encouraging others to make their art? And I, you know, I would think about that. So my friend, Emmeline Villadari, I don't know if you know her. No. She's in Montreal. She, she's one of my creative besties. We talk every week since the phone date, since I set myself up with her. <laughs> but she's like, you know what? I think that it's all your creative practice. I think that you connecting people and what you do, that is just part of who you are. And it doesn't always have to be divided, but it does take away from what am I creating? And I would like to make bigger paintings. I would like to be painting. I would like to be doing, I think like some still lifes. I was kind yeah, of starting to go good. into abstract at one point, you know, like, or making like bigger, more minimal paintings of some of my patterns and things. But at the same time, it was hard. I didn't have the space. I, these are excuses probably, but like, I felt like I didn't have the space and what I could do was if I could only go paint for one weekend a month for like two hours, I consciously said, what can I do instead? That's going to get me in the same direction of what I want to be doing. Maybe it's not my top choice of what I want to be doing, but what can I do that will keep me going towards that North star perhaps. That sense of moving in the right direction is a really nice one. I, I mean, it's interesting. You say you think it's an, ex it, it's an excuse. I, I don't, I don't think it is an excuse. I think it's a sense of understanding where you are and what you've got the capacity for doing at the moment. I think we've all got dreams of things we'd like to do in fantasy land, but the mm -hmm. reality sometimes isn't, isn't like that. The reality is sometimes we, make, we do make do with what we've got and what we've got available for us. But I think the thing that's fascinating about watching you is you have this uh, you have a really strong, yes, drive for connection for other people. And I don't think that it is the same. Actually, I don't think that connecting other people is the same thing as doing your own work. Mm. I'm not going to mm -hmm. let you off the hook on that one. Um, okay. But I think it is, it's something that obviously lights you up in a similar way. So yeah. perhaps if you're getting the satisfaction from that, there are times when maybe you don't need it from your actual art practice so much but you've you're really good at keeping consistent with things like when you have an idea of something you seem to stick with it and really see it through you're you're quite habitual and when i say that i mean it in a good way like you you manage to set up 
a way of working which really works for you and it really helps you see things through and I think that's a really strong ability to have that I don't feel like I have that at all I feel like I kind of flit all over the place and I see a consistency in the way that you do things which is very rewarding Hmm, well thank you doesn't feel that way is it interesting how other people see things differently yes I I mean I think perhaps I've had to just accept yeah I I like what you said about you know like this is my circumstances and this is what I want to do I mean yeah yeah in my fantasy world I want to do a hundred things like I have some silk dye sitting in a on top of the fridge that I want to get into and I have a microwave to heat it up. But is that what I most need to be doing right now? Um, Maybe I need to be focusing on pattern design for a bit more because I enjoy it. And I feel like I'm making some, I don't, I don't know if the word is progress. Like I love designing patterns. I think it's fun. It, it, it's art making. I'm inspired by people like Joseph Frank, who in my opinion, his his patterns were his also his fine art and i think that's really interesting so do you have a place where you store those big future ideas or do you just let them hover in the back of your mind and if they settle they'll settle (laughs) i I mean i put them in my head i'll i sometimes i'll journal or write things down uh actually i was just putting something on um i had like a sketch in my sketch pad where it just it was nothing quote it wasn't supposed to be anything but it actually turned into the a pattern that's in the inside cover of the book and it can be and it's also being sold as a fabric and somebody in Australia is creating beautiful scarves with them yeah and it was just I made a sketch and I said oh maybe I can do something with it so I kind of like the fact of creating something and then just letting it become what it's supposed to be and you never know what that might be it could become a painting it could become a scarf yeah it's a lovely it's a lovely sense of um having ideas and letting them flow so the ideas come they rise up they turn into something or they don't there's a um a real sense of unanxiousness about it with you and i wonder if some of that is because it's this it's this tug of yes you've got this commitment of full-time job but also that's what pays the bills, which means that your creative life can purely be your creative life without um, feeling that expectation from it. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. I think that's, that's something very real. You know, I'm the sole earner right now for my family. So I'm supporting my family with my pay. My yeah. husband is a fine artist and he, he is the stay-at-home dad right now. So he yeah. actually has not had a lot of free time to be painting. But to yeah. your point, yes, if I had to just make my income for from my art making, that would probably change my choices because I would say, okay, what can I make more money from? Is it licensing? Is it doing this? And how would that shift my work on what was driving the, I guess, the income versus what I just wanted to do for play as this self-care or whatnot? Yeah. It's a very interesting uh, discussion. I mean, it comes up between um, my husband and I, like when we, whether I go to events or I have workshops, very often it is mainly women there. And we, we've had a number of discussions about it. And he says it's because that a lot more women have the time to do it because they don't have the weight of responsibility of being the main 
earner in their house obviously in your house that's different so you you know you've kind of proved that wrong you have an interest in it you can make it happen if you want to but I think there's more to it than that I think that there is something more in women that is uh tuned in to this strong urge that we've got to be creative in some format and I just I want I don't know the answer to this but I wonder if it is somehow tied in to motherhood and that's why if we have a strong drive to manage the two together we somehow work out how to make it happen but the thing is it seems to me that a lot of women are in creative realms but yet they don't have the desire or the ambition or the confidence but I'm not sure it is just the confidence I think for some they don't even want it to turn it into a bigger thing they're quite happy for it to be a nurturing creative lower level space and yet it's the men who reach the heights of making art oh that's that's pretty uh that's an intense thought and conversation yeah, but I mean, I mean, there are lots of examples in your book of women who are very successful mm-hmm. in the sense of making art and selling it. Yes. Or um, making art, running workshops around it, having a really fulfilling kind of creative job as part of their life, but not necessarily wanting or needing it to be a great big thing. Do you think that's because we still hold ourselves back? Oh, yeah. I'm mean, actually when you mentioned about like the men versus women and what that looks like, some of my thoughts were around it. Like, is that a story that we're telling ourselves as women? Yeah. Are we are or just men and women and you know all genders? Are we saying, um, is it not possible? Are people still holding on to these beliefs that you can't make money in the arts? You know, some for definite. <sighs> so there, I think there's a lot of layers. I think one of the layers is people don't value the arts in some ways. And one thing with the pandemic, I mean, what are people doing right now if you're not appreciating, excuse me, if you're not appreciating the arts, whether yeah. that's filmmaking, writing for a good TV show, a book, you're, you're watching a documentary, you're watching the news, like you're connecting through video. What are people, that's, those are the arts, right? Do you think it will have any long lasting impact on how, how much we uh, value it? Do you think it will change the people who value it? Because I think that there are always people who value it as part of their life. But I wonder if it's kind of expanded that reach and that other people will start to appreciate it a bit more. Well, I had to take my sweatshirt off because you're getting me all heated up right now. (laughs) Well, my husband and I talk about it all the time. This is one of his paintings. He's like very detail oriented. Like he needs to have his concentrated time. And we think like people will just say to him, oh, you're an artist. They just assume that he has no idea about money or business or anything, that he's stupid. And he's one of the smartest people I know. Yeah. Do, will people value the arts more? Um, probably some won't, you know, because we're still on, unless you can make money, unless you can make tons of money and scale it, then it's, yeah. is, is it valuable? Yeah. Um, but then who are the people that are saying that? Because look at like restaurants, for example. I wonder if this is, to me, like the culinary arts and that interaction, it, it might not be fine art, but there is a, a correlation. It's a creative outlet. It's a place that it's an experience. People want to go to these places. They want to sit in the beautiful spaces and have a good meal. Um, isn't that important? Kind of like a painting or having artwork in your home? Yeah. And it doesn't mean to say that you have to turn into a mega food chain or 
anything else in order to enjoy it or for other people to appreciate it or value it, does it? I, I can't imagine that this pandemic won't shift things in a little bit or just some thinking, or maybe our kids will see it in a different way. I, I'm not sure. So um, Sloan is how old now? She is, she'll be two in September, oh, two. A, a year and a half. I don't, I don't know the months. That makes me happy, though. <laughs> I don't think she's, anyone knows the months at the moment. She is so funny. She's, she knows she's funny, too. I love yeah. her. All she wants to do is draw with the colored pencils. I saw her the other day. She'd stolen the ones that you'd given him. Oh, yeah. These special ones. Yeah. I, well, and I want them to know that anything is creative. You know, we, we want to make sure that they feel like... Um, we encourage whatever it is that they want to do. But Henry has been in a drawing kick, really, uh, which has been kind of nice. He's always been kind of quite involved, hasn't he? I mean, I, I, I just, I hope that that continues because I think there is a stage where, you know, for, for children of that age, they are deep into their creativity, fantasy lands, creating things, modeling boxes, drawing, inventions, mm. new games, contraptions around the garden, all sorts of things. And then it kind of hits 12, 13 oh, and it changes. Yeah, I did notice this year he's been more critical of his drawings and getting more frustrated. So we have a lot of discussions like, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, are, are you having fun? Of course, it's not going to look as good as daddy's yet because he's been drawing for 20 more years than you. I, I, I do hope that. And I hope that he doesn't like, you know, like they hear stuff at school and say, oh, this person said I'm bad or this doesn't look yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, I, I, it makes my heart hurt for like, no, just, you can still create or all the, you know, all the adults we know who say, oh, I'm not very good. I can't, I can't draw a straight line. So yeah. what? If you want to do something, go do it. But that daughter of yours, she's going to keep you on your toes for sure. Oh, she, yeah, she's cracking me up. But it's funny. She is very musical. Like she's really interested in song and she likes to dance a lot and twirl around, but she does like, she, I just had to make her stop drawing on the floor earlier. She likes to draw in color. What else do we need to talk about about the book? I just, I just want people to, to see it. And, you know, once we can figure out the shipping, it, whether they buy it for themselves or ask your local library, you know, yeah. ask them if they will okay. want to carry it. Because I know it might not be for everybody if they're not, you know, if you're not a parent or if you feel like your kids are older and that, you know, it probably feels a lot more tailored towards people who have younger children. But I think that it's interesting because just on my own time, I've had so many conversations with parents of older children kind of around your age and what does that look like as you're kind of transitioning from just how your role shifts and how does that define you as a parent so it's kind of interesting there you go you're all set for volume two. Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually looking forward to doing that at the moment i'm like i know who i could ask that's for sure but isn't it good though? It's great, isn't it? Having a, having a kind of partner to work with on these projects. And I oh, think, yeah. you know, right at the beginning, you said you had this kind of conversation with Heather and it's like, oh, should we do a book? You know, how easy was that to say yes to? And then you just figure it out as you go along. I think that's the one, that's one thing that's really helped me in the last couple of years is having somebody else on board with, mm -hmm. with a project that you're doing. Would you have done yeah. this if it was just you? I don't, I don't know if that would have happened. Um, I think that have, having a, somebody 
to pick up the slack when you're just burnt out or exhausted or you're just not feeling it anymore. I'm sure maybe something would have happened. I don't want to say I wouldn't have because I can be pretty determined when I have an idea, but nothing would exist the way it does if it wasn't for Heather. For whatever reason, the two of us together, she makes me feel braver. She makes me um, as much as I think I don't overthink, I do sometimes. Yeah. And Heather is like, that is her superpower. She does not overthink in a really good way. She just moves forward. And we <laughs> complement each other very well, I think. Um, I've got a question though. Um, I don't think... I mean, most of the people in the book, their children are a little, are a bit younger before the stage where they necessarily have understanding of what is being shared of them. And I know that, you know, there are some social media accounts now that are really focused around people's family, their children. And mm -hmm. it makes me a little bit nervous because I worry about how much you're sharing of that child's life before they get to have a say in it and I'm not saying yeah. that anybody I'm talking on a wider sphere now because I don't think it, that was true of anybody in the book um, but I think it's an interesting thing to be aware of because much like we've kind of grown into this public online sharing space as adults with a certain degree of adulthood behind us I think it's going to be interesting and challenging for children to become adults and realize that there's a version of their childish selves that's somehow still publicly available. It's a very yeah. odd thing. So do you have any rules about your family? I mean, I know that, I mean, I've spoken about some very personal things. You've spoken about personal things and your brother dying and how that fuels mm -hmm. you. Do you think that that's something that's necessary to do these days to be open and share that much of your life online or is that just the way you do things oh like like in general and how i do that or yeah well just in general like what's your filter do you have a filter <laughs> some days i do some no, days I, I <laughs> yeah it, it is funny sometimes i have no filter and sometimes <laughs> i do i think that there was a big shift around for whatever reason 2015 it was as i think i was starting to use social media more to figure out how to make my art practice, try to make more money off of what I was doing. And I don't know if I really mentioned that necessarily um, here, but so I was working in this job and I had, it was kind of at a point where I either needed to make a lot more money so that I could offset some of the other things because my husband and I were both working and it was just crazy. And I passed that at work. So as I was starting to think of, well, how do I sell more to people? I realized that my bosses and the people in my family, like everybody kind of was seeing what I was doing at this point before mm. it had not been that it mm -hmm. had been, I had a craft blog that some people knew about since 2005. That was like my creative outlet, but not everybody knew. So I would say five years ago, I said, okay, everybody kind of knows what I do yep. and whatever I feel comfortable sharing. I need to know that my boss at the pharmaceutical company knew and my mom you know, if anything, my mom, that's like my gut, like, oh God, is, what's my mom going to say? Well, the funny thing is like, I will act like I work or I act like on social media. I'll act like that with my bosses. I get yeah. to when it's, it's who I am. I mean, I can be very professional and present to the CEO's office, but 
there's executives that I joke around with like this. I just kind of tailor myself towards whatever that capacity is. I can home, reel it in, but then I can also just be me yeah. anywhere. Yeah. I think it was just realizing that it's all out there. So yeah. whatever I share, I just need to know that I'm okay if anybody else sees this. It's an interesting one though, isn't it? Because often there is this idea of having fuzzy boundaries, like it's a, like it's a bad thing and we need to put, you know, have this part of our life here sits in this box and this part of our life sits in this box. And I, I think that's quite tiring. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily work like that it does all merge and mix and mingle and if you worry about that too much then it does become harder to show up but I know people people find it really difficult to yes be themselves I don't know whether whether it is a sense of when you first start out on social media it might be only your friends and things watching you or following Mm -hmm. your account and then as soon as you get past the stage where you really don't know who anybody is you have a choice then you either keep going with it or you stop. Well, and I actually think for a lot of people, it's almost like, say you want to share your art, right? And you, or you want to be selling your art and putting a price on it. Okay. Which we know can be difficult for a lot of people um, at the beginning, especially. So if it's the people that don't know you that get what you do and are following, say your art on social media, sometimes I think that's less um, scary than yeah. seeing your friend who might not understand your art and think, what, you, what? Why would anyone buy that? You know, yeah. all the things. Or, wait, could you, could I commission you to do a picture of my cat climbing a tree? And, you know, oh, I heard you're an artist. Like, we all get those requests, you know. <laughs> I almost think that it's harder for, the, for a lot of people, the people in your own life, that you're sharing and then that judgment and that, yeah. like, internal dialogue at times. When it goes beyond your control, like if you post something publicly on Instagram, you have no control over who sees it. It's, it, it's out there. Yes. So you have no control over it anyway. So like you say, as long as you're good with it, it mm-hmm. feels like, have you ever gone back and deleted posts? Um, I'm sure I have maybe a couple times. Um, it, when I first started to make my Instagram more about my work versus my life, I actually archived and like had it printed into a little book all of my pictures of my child and then I archived and deleted a lot of those things but that was more to promote my work Um, in terms of the comfort level I do want to address your question though about like sharing your children and things Mm. I never want to show my child like if they don't have enough clothes on or things like that that doesn't make me comfortable or if um I do think about like, what would some, what if somebody takes a screenshot, what would they do with um, that picture of our baby? Yeah. Um, but I do would ask Henry now more often, like um, say he draws something, he might say, Hey, can you show our friends, you know, right. our followers, can you ask them to subscribe? Cause he watches YouTube, you know, but okay. I'll also say, Hey, is that something you want to share? Can I share my friends or not? And sometimes he says yes. And sometimes yeah. he says no. So I try, I definitely listen to that because I think it is important to give them that autonomy. It'll be interesting to see how they move into it, won't it? I mean, I know my two, they, they only use Instagram for direct messages with their friends. And oh, interesting. Th- there's no kind of posting of stuff. They're like, this is really old mum. It's a different, yeah, but, but here, their mom has all these followers. Look at her. <laughs> yeah, they have, they have also forbidden me from being on TikTok. Although, oh, that's so funny. Although, 
Okay, let's talk about that very briefly. Because okay. you're on TikTok. Yes, but I, don't, I haven't got on in a week. So it, it is fun. But um, yeah. Does it not bore you? I, since I haven't been on in a week, a little, it, it, it goes back and forth. If, if I needed like, I think there's two things. I think I'm a content creator. So what do we hear from our communities? I'm burned out on social media. I'm comparing myself to everybody, blah, blah. When I go on Instagram or TikTok or whatnot, it doesn't make me feel bored because I'm communicating, I'm answering DMs and I'm posting something and then having conversations with friends or yes. people that I like. If I was only going on there to view people and I didn't create anything of myself, I think, yeah, it would bore me to death. Like, okay, so TikTok, I, I could go on there and be pretty amused. I watched this one dance video over and over and like, I think I watched everybody. I got obsessed for like two days and I learned the dance and I did it. And then I didn't think about it again, you know? Yeah, yeah it's very short term. I mean, we, we've been, certainly been on it and watched things and had a giggle, but it's how it makes you feel for me. Like when I go on Instagram, if, I, if I'm not going on to post, if I'm just going on to look and comment, I know that I can scroll through and see what people are doing. And more often than not, actually, I don't come, I very rarely these days come away feeling like, oh, comparison feeling mm. low about my work I'm much more likely to go oh I'm getting itchy fingers I want to go and paint now yeah. and then I go off and do something whereas when I go on TikToks yeah I look at some of these funny videos I don't feel like I'm desperate to go away and make a silly time stop video <laughs> that shows my legs in the air I mean I just you know it's I don't know Louise keeps saying it'll catch on and we'll all be there in years but I just thought I'd check oh, in with you Actually, but you know what? It is a good thing to remember because um, since it's early on and they have, from a marketing standpoint, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people are on it right now. And I think it's like, oh, the pandemic place to be. Yeah. But, you, what, but what about like time-lapse art videos? This one woman we met at Alt Summit, she, you know, we invited her. She did a, um, a chat with our group. And I, I think we, we paid to take one of her, her classes to talk about how artists can use TikTok. And uh, you know, she's like, there are, you could do a time-lapse video. You don't have to be doing a dance. Yes. So it would be interesting to see what we can share as artists, if that can help you to get sales, but not necessarily as another place to be spending time that you could be painting. I'll keep an eye on it. But I, I looked the other day for artists and art videos and things on TikTok. And again, I'm, found, I'm afraid I didn't find anything that I found oh. inspiring yet. That's why you need to get on there maybe well I'll, yeah. I'll go on and i'll post a time-lapse video well you can you can go on and you can tag me if you get on there if you go on you'll you'll see me on there don't even ask what my thing is there's there's a okay. video of me going how do you even work how do you even i love it TikTok? <laughs> i thought right that's gonna be the first one it's also weird but you know what i do like about tiktok is that there's it's giving people permission and like an almost a, an art assignment, well, it's like a dancing assignment to do with their family. Like, I yeah. love that it's bringing random people together that are, they get, they get whatever it is that they're doing. It's you know, quite anti-Instagram in that sense, in the sense that some of, in, some of Instagram, not all of it, but some is, is now very polished, very, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a difference between Instagram feed and Instagram in the store. What's yes. your favorite feed or stories? <sighs> I would think probably, probably DMs, but probably stories. Um, I don't know. It, it, does, it is weird. It does get like, everyone thinks that they have to write like a, a, a big essay now. 
you know, and this is where I sound cranky. You know, I'm like, you can just post a picture of your work. You don't have to like be a guru. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. I think there's so much pressure, like, you know, like, hey, I made this today. You know? Stick it up. Yeah, yeah, it's not like the likes and the comments and the engagement. I mean, unless you're like selling, um, are, are you an Instagram influencer? Then really doesn't matter what no. your metrics are, you know, or like having your, your feed look perfectly curated. I don't know. Oh, I like, I like having my feed look good. But for me, it's a kind yeah. of, cre- do you know what it's like? It's a, like a creative challenge, like those, you know, those little puzzles that you had when you were a kid and you slide the little blocks around. Uh-huh. I quite like to have some sense of order of where it's going. I like, like when I did it looks one thing nice. once where I thought I'm going to kind of maneuver a vague color change thing. Like mm. I, I don't use all the same filters or have a pattern or have nine images that fit together and make a bigger one or every fourth one is a quote post. I don't have any of those rules, but just in terms of how things live next to each other, I quite like to be aware of that as visual artists we like yeah. that balance in the aesthetic and you'll think like oh the the value of these is too dark and they're next yeah. to each other you know it is pleasing to see the eye or i noticed on our carve out time for art you, that feed i don't care about because we have enough takeovers generally yes, right now it's kind of an off time control. yeah and it's like just post what you want the people who are there they're there because they enjoy what we do and whatever you know it's my I favorite think. place to check on the internet still you know yes. i feel like that's where most of my friends live I like that there's options, you know, you can chat with people, you can see what they're working on, and if you can go watch their stories too. Before we finish, um, do you have anything, what's inspired you this week? Oh, that's a good question. So I've been taking a lot of walks um, just to get out of the house um, in the neighborhood safely away from people. And everything is kind of blooming. There's a lot of plants here in South Florida. So I have been feeling inspired again to go bring that back and then go in my sketchbook and cut some paper up or do some gouache. So I think I'm going to create some patterns soon. Do you you work from photographs when you do that with plants? Yeah, I'll try to take some reference photographs or if I can, I do like to draw from life um, sometimes. So it's if like I snuck into a neighbor's house the other day and took a picture and then I tried to look at that and really get the structure going of the plant and then I can kind of go from my memory and improvise later you can understand the uh, the shapes and the forms I always find so much more when you've got something in reality in front of you in 3d in terms of discovery of new shapes Mm -hmm. it's much more fun that way I find them working from a photograph for those kind of objects Yes, and living with a uh, an observational painter and former painting professor, you know, he, he's like, when you're, you know, it is true though, if you're drawing from life and it's, you're drawing in 3D versus the two-dimensional reference, yeah, it does make a difference, I think. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that though, because um, I, I noted down that it just feels like the days are going so fast at the moment, but for me this week, it's also been 
the, the garden growing all of a sudden mm. things that weren't there last week are there this week and just the sense that things are always changing and before we finish i just want to say thank you everybody for all your messages for me um after last week's episode i know it really hit home for a lot of you and i'm sorry that you've also been feeling crappy um but also happy that we did something that might have helped in that and that you feel that you're not the um only one going through it because you're not you never are and it will get better and i'm certainly feeling a lot better kind of this week and all of these conversations help so if you want to find out more then i definitely definitely recommend that you head on over to at carve out time for art on instagram and there is a website of the same name with all the blog posts all the back uh, interview blog posts and the book is called the motherhood of art so there is a website for that too the motherhood of that has details about how the book is going to be shipped it would be the most beautiful gift i, th I think it's a fab book i'm so pleased that you got it to from from idea into finished product because it's a beautiful book and it's a real achievement congratulations well thank you that means so much we appreciate it you helped everybody who part of our community helps to keep us going we're grateful so thank you once again to marissa huber for joining us you can find her with just her name on instagram at marissa huber all of these links will be in the show notes for you and we really hope that you've enjoyed listening to our conversation today bye-bye from both of us bye-bye thank you bye everybody it's so good it's not live I tell you oh, that's I love the other it. thing that's such a relief you know you can like edit it and chop bits out and oh, say yeah. to Theo so many like, decisions oh, thank yeah, you so much Alice this was that wonderful can go oh, I feel like we, what was that question that you just asked did we did we get to it apologize in advance most of you who have ever, inter ever interacted with me have gotten some like goobly gawk <laughs> Or I'll do videos now. I'll just send a video. I locked my son out. Okay, I'm just going to ignore him. He's good. He's supposed to be doing virtual school. Hold on one second. Hey, bud. I need, I'm talking to somebody. I'll be done in a minute. Oh, you okay. said interruptions. You called it. But hold on one second. Okay. So the layout of the book. One second, Alice. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm talking to Alice. So... We, you have to be, be quiet, okay? Good morning. I love you. Okay, go do your work. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. It's good afternoon. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Okay, so pause. There you go.